Oh, it's out. Yeah. The handheld mic. I'm going to need it before the end. Julie, you have it? Yeah. I thought somebody was playing a trick on me. Hide Mike's mic. Thank you. Great to see all these folks here at this service this morning. Um, it's wonderful. And um, we are in the middle part of a three-week sermon series, so a short sermon series. And, uh, but it's, uh, it is preparation and prelude for our fall launch of, a, uh, of something we have uh, called Life Groups. Uh, it's not an original name with us, but it's one that fits our needs as well. And uh, so we wanted to talk about uh, small group life and basically make a case for it. Um, um, not that you necessarily need selling on it, but just simply to elevate it and enrich it yet again. So we, uh, for three weeks, are focusing on uh, this idea of uh, devotion, devoted. And that comes out of one verse of the New Testament that we particularly want to focus on. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves and they are the followers of Jesus. There's a massive early conversion of about 3,000 Jews to the Christian faith um, in that early church setting right after Pentecost. And following that, we get this verse that, that after that massive conversion of incorporation of this, uh, the church you know, multiplying in a significant way, they were devoted to uh, four spiritual habits, the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And last week we talked about, uh, and with reference to that first spiritual habit, the apostles teaching uh, the word of truth, the Bible, the Holy Scriptures. And I even tried last week to get a little bit of, of Greek on the screen. Uh, I don't know for what reason, but just sometimes just to sort of touch base with original text sometimes. And it didn't quite work right, but we got it this week. Proska Tereo which is uh, the Greek uh, first-person singular, at least, to uh, this idea of devotion. Uh, because it's not a modest devotion. Uh, it's, uh, we've got it here translated devoted or passionately committed. Uh, that's a very uh, a vibrant word, uh, enthusiastic, passionate devotion to a person or to a cause. In this case, it was uh, to, uh, to a person as well as to four spiritual habits that enable them to continue to have genuine, authentic encounters with the risen Lord. And so it was very, very important to them. Moving forward, and 30, year, 30 years ago, so obviously I was a very young priest, um, I read this paper. Uh, I don't know if this is the original. It's yellowed some. It, it, um, I may have copied it along the way more than once. But um, I read this paper by a Christian author whom I did not know and have not read anything about him since or of him until I Googled him this week, just curious to see if he was still alive. And he is uh, in his 70s and still teaching, apparently, in a seminary in Canada. But he wrote a book, uh, I mean, he wrote this little essay called The Fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And um, having read this, uh, rather, um, it, it's not tedious, but I mean, single line for several pages, and um, he, it hit me like a ton of bricks, and it was like scales falling from my eyes with new understanding and new insight about something I had no appreciation of growing up, even though I grew up in the church, and that was the value, richness, and importance of life in a small group. So I've been on an exploring and an ongoing journey for these 30 years um, 
just trying to live into his, the case he makes for it and discover how right he was about this insight from 30 years back. The paper is probably, when he wrote it, it was probably written 40 or 45 years ago. And small groups were a very, very small item in most churches. It wasn't considered, it happened by coincidence or happenstance more than by uh, intentionality. And he and I suppose others have reawakened a New Testament understanding of the importance and value of life in a small group. I mean, just take, for example, the, the verse from, um, from Matthew's Gospel when Jesus says, When two or three gather together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Uh, it's a great sort of um, uh, just a, a invitation to small group life. When two or three, five or six, seven or eight, but are gathered in my name, Jesus says, I am present there with you. Now, we, we know he's often not, not very often seen with these eyes. But uh, he said, I am there with you. He is the uh, unseen, though present, living Lord Jesus. So let's move forward another step into these spiritual habits and go from apostles' teaching and from uh, that devotion to this other devotion and see that they all really are intertwined and interrelate. But uh, this is, um, uh, the focus today is upon... Another Greek word, koinonia, which is translated fellowship. Um, or even more richly, as the New Testament has in a couple of places, koinonia to hagiu pneumatos. Now, I may have pronounced that completely wrong. That is uh, from my memory of seminary Greek courses a long time ago. And if you know better than I, you can correct me afterwards and say, no, Mike, that's not how you pronounce hagiu. You pronounce it this way. And I'll, you, you'll, I won't even argue with you. I'll say, oh, okay, thank you, thank you. But like uh, playing pool, you know, if you can't shoot good, shoot hard. And so you go, go with it with, with boldness. And uh, so uh, it's pronounced, hey, kononia. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit, to Hagiu Pneumatos. And it is uh, saying something more for us than merely fellowship. It's something the New Testament speaks of in other places as the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want to focus on this morning. So, for example, in Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, he ends his letter. Uh, as a final kind of goodbye um, um, sentence and offering, he says, and we probably, many of us know this well, it's one of those beautiful, beautiful phrases out of the New Testament. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, and those are sermon topics in themselves for another time. But the third piece of this, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Or in Philippians, Paul will also write about this idea of the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. When he's, he is encouraging, he says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. In other words, uh, if you've already discovered the richness and wonder and depth of these, uh, make my joy complete by also being united, like-minded, and having the same love, and so on and so forth. But there again is that lovely, uh, tantalizing phrase out of the New Testament, uh, fellowship with the Spirit, fellowship of the Spirit. Hey, kononia to hagio pneumatos. It's a curious phrase, isn't it, actually? I mean, if you had to explain what it means, 
what would you say? I mean, you kind of read right through it and just sort of, oh, okay, but what does it really mean, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit? And um, I, w- I will tell you what it does not mean. It does not mean fellowship with the Spirit. It's not that simple or uh, that trite. Uh, there's something deeper and richer here. Um, uh, one of um, the people that Howard Snyder quotes in his article says what it is. He says, it is a fellowship with God. This is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. It is a fellowship, a koinonia with God, which the Lord shares, God shares, through the indwelling Spirit with those who are members of the body of Christ. So we've got a, a package deal here, and we're not talking about the individual solo journey of a Christian. We're talking about the communal journey as an essential part of the journey of a Christian. And those prepositions kind of give it all away. Fellowship, the first preposition, with, with God. And it shared, another preposition, through the indwelling Spirit. So somehow the Spirit indwelling a small group, a community where two or three are gathered in His name, and indwelling our own hearts. Um, so it's finally then preposition with those who are members of the body of Christ. So we get a wonderful, incredible kind of package deal here under the idea of the fellowship of the Spirit. Uh, much more than just fellowship. It has this vertical dimension of uh, Fellowship and connecting and intimacy and knowledge of God and experience of God and His truth and living life. And then this wonderful horizontal dimension as well, all tied together, which is why it takes God to really make it work in His own mysterious ways. So we're not talking about superficial social fellowship, but we're also not talking about something that's kind of mystical that you can't put your fingers on, that just sort of... Um, you know, just sort of the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, this sort of cloud of something. Um, it, it's something much richer than that. Um, if I can just uh, permit me to teach a bit this morning by using Howard Snyder as this point of reference. He talks about the Holy Spirit and he says this of him and of the fellowship. He says, it is that fellowship among believers that the Holy Spirit gives. In other words, the world cannot give this kind of fellowship. Uh, It has a quality of God's own investment in our lives, the fellowship among believers that the Holy Spirit gives. It is the fellowship of Christ with His disciples. To think and consider that Jesus called 12 to Him to be with Him. And some of the women, as it's often described, some of the women who journeyed with Him, And they spent three years together walking the roads of Palestine, talking, doing ministry, living together, sleeping under the same roof, uh, eating together. And as we know from those wonderful gospel stories of their life together, uh, an extraordinarily rich time for those 12 and those women who came to know Jesus in a personal, intimate way, but also came to know one another in a personal and caring and intimate fashion. It's also the fellowship of the early church. And it's not only Acts chapter 2, verse 42 that speaks of this fellowship. Actually, as you read through the whole of the 28 chapters of Acts, you will see that the church is often and regularly meeting in small group settings. Uh, 
They go to temple on the Sabbath. But other days of the week and then on Resurrection Sunday, there they are in this home or that home, here, there, as they spread out across the Roman Empire. They are meeting together in these small group settings. So it's the fellowship of Christ, I'm sorry, the fellowship of the early church as they lived it out that they were devoted to. And as I said earlier, they were devoted to for a reason. It was because of a continuing, renewing encounter with the person of Jesus. It's also the earthly counterpart. It's a foretaste of the fellowship that we will enjoy for eternity. So you could say whenever you're in a small group, and particularly a nourishing, life-giving small group that really is blessing you and just blessing your socks off, it's a foretaste of the fellowship that we are invited to look forward to for eternity. That our time moving towards um, our heavenly home, we will die one day and we will be in, a, in, in the kingdom. We will be home, if you will. Is, uh, there's very much profoundly um, impressed upon us from scriptures that that will be a time of wonderful, extraordinary, rich fellowship with God, with the Lord Jesus, and with one another with moms and dads who have gone before us, grandparents who have gone before us, dear friends who have gone before us, and they waiting there, enjoying fellowship that we will one day enjoy as well. This um, opportunity for the fellowship of the Spirit here is a foretaste of that that will be there. And finally, simply remember that it is analogous to the fellowship and communion that Christ enjoys with His Heavenly Father, and his heavenly father enjoys with his son, the Christ, the Lord Jesus. So as we heard in John's gospel today, this idea of vine abiding, uh, the vine and the branches, koinonia is the people of God, the body of Christ, individuals abiding in the vine, and out of that much fruit will be born, Jesus says. That there is something uh, that as the, the uh, individual parts are brought together in a unified fashion um, under the banner of Christ in the power of the Spirit and much fruit will be born out of that. So not to bore you today, I hope it doesn't, but I just want to, um, uh, Snyder ends this essay I read that had such an impact on me 30 years ago that made me as an introvert be willing to even try a small group and then discover the grace and power of a small group and then to enjoy various configurations and kinds of small groups all through the years of my life in ministry, of my life as a Christian. And what we enjoy here in, small, uh, in alpha settings, for example, and in numerous other settings where we have done small groups in the past. Um, just to um, drive the point home, Snyder, 30, 40 years ago, is trying to put this out before the church. And it may not have been his essay, but somehow this idea did become ignited. And churches all across our land have discovered the grace and power and effectiveness of small groups. But... Um, so he does this in a five bullet, I think it's five bullets. He says, uh, the church, so he's talking about us and leadership, must make sufficient provision to be gathered together if it is to literally experience this quality of fellowship. 
we, there must be uh, a provision for how we can get together because because this is lovely in itself and this is for worship but it doesn't enable the fellowship of the Holy Spirit in the way that we're talking about it doesn't allow that personal vulnerability and trust and mutual in you know prayers for, and support for one another and so on and so forth uh, so there's got to be a provision for this and secondly it must uh, the church must provide for a way that permits and encourages communication among its members. Again, this is not an easy setting for doing that. This is kind of, um, uh, uh, this is modest vehicles of communication. I mean, the word preach, but this is about, this is about communication among the body's members. And that there must be a way for there to be, and that's not easy for one, you know, for us to do in a gathering of a hundred people, but in a small group setting. And he goes on to say, that, that, that structure that is created needs to be casual, informal, if you will, and intimate in order to uh, give permission, allow the freedom of the Spirit to move in that community. That mysterious, wonderful, and good things happen. Hands are laid on an individual in a small group and healing is received. An individual who has a terribly difficult journey ahead of them because they've lost their job and they're no longer walking alone but have brought that to the group and the group is praying for them and sharing that difficult, arduous journey for them and on and on and on. The Spirit moving in those kinds of settings. And then finally, um, Snyder's argument was that this structure that is provided in a setting where there can be easy, casual communication and where there's freedom of the Spirit permitted uh, must also be an opportunity for Bible study. That there is another mystery there that, uh, yes, it's great to read God's Word individually and to learn and grow from one's own individual insights gained as God speaks to us through Scripture. But there is a, a, another peculiar, effective grace available when a group of individuals come together and read the Bible together, studying a passage, and this person has an insight that I would never have that opens up that scripture in a new way, and so on and so forth. So then, uh, in summary, what Snyder was saying is um, creating opportunities and a vehicle and a means for the believers of Jesus to be gathered together in a setting where communication is uh, easy to accomplish and able to do for all involved. And it's informal enough, yet intimate enough, that allows for the Spirit to show up. And finally, enabling that also as a vehicle where Bible study can take place. So um, I appreciate uh, this final uh, comment from this essay. Um, Snyder said, we need to know that the most high God is also the most nigh God. Uh, because uh, some of us have that picture of the transcendent God, the creator God, who, who's so far away and so removed and so distant. And, of course, part of the, the wonder of the incarnation is that we are the visited planet, that God, the creator, came down as a human being to live among us and offer his life for us. So um, that most high God that we worship and with awe and reverence is also the most nigh God where two or three gather in my name Jesus said there am I I will be there with you the unseen though present Lord in the mystery and power of the fellowship of the spirit the Holy Spirit 
Now, enough teaching on this, and I thought and believe it might be helpful this morning to hear also some witness of individuals who have known and experienced small groups. And so I ask um, um, Justin Miller, my brother in Christ, who's usually at this service with his wife Karen, and Justin's here. He's on call this morning, so he wasn't sure he's going to be here. So Ellen, my wife, was my backup in that case. And Ellen, you're off the hook. I see Justin. And, uh, and Bonnie James, our worship arts director, says she would be glad to do this as well. And Justin, come on forward, and thank you all so much for doing this. And I've got a couple of questions for you on the topic of small groups. This might be, well, it's not just coincidental. Uh, Justin and I actually have been in a small group together this past year. <laughs> so I just I got to know him because of that, thank goodness. But um, uh, he, uh, he's a large animal veterinarian for this area, so he takes care of horses and cows and things like that. And thanks for helping this morning with this as well. And uh, I'm going to start with you, if I may, Justin. And uh, just um, since you've been in small groups um, for a long time, I believe, uh, just uh, how have they been just generally helpful in your life? Well, this, it's the sort of thing that I would never have thought I would have liked. Um, being in a He's an introvert, too. Discussions. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> but I really learned to uh, appreciate that time and enjoy it, and, I, and now that it's over, I miss it. Um, I was able to meet a lot of great people and learn to appreciate and admire them and uh, really enjoyed the Bible study that we had. One thing that I've always struggled with personally is finding uh, or having the uh, discipline and motivation to read my Bible on a daily basis, and so because I committed to this group, this gave me the accountability that I needed to do that on a regular basis, and I really benefited from it personally. Thank you. Lovely. And Bonnie, how about you? Small group life, how has it been meaningful to you? It, it kind of provided a family for me. I'm single, don't have kids, so that's, and nobody in my family is a Christian, so it's just me. So small groups become like family where you, mm. people can know me and pour into my life and then allow me to pour back in. And they moved me and done various different things and allowed me to do things for them, too. So it kind of functions like a family. Very important. And could, could you share one gold nugget or just a, of an experience where the small group really impacted and just, you know, brought you close to God or you know, a new understanding of Jesus? Or When I, I didn't go to church at all when I was a child or teenager. I went as an adult for the first time, and I went to a church that was had small groups. So I joined one. And they taught me how to pray. They taught me how to study the Bible. Wow. They, I mean, they just kind of taught me how to do life as a Christ follower. Uh, I, I mean, it, and it was great in a small group setting because I'm an introvert, too. So that was, <laughs> that was really awesome. I mean, we've got three introverts up here. That's really, that's probably a record in itself. And we all love small groups, yes. And Justin, how about you? Just a gold nugget, a nugget of an experience where God was really was close, came close to you through a small group. I think um, it was probably about four weeks in that uh, it, it hit me. I, I drive a lot and have a lot of time to think, which can be a good thing or a bad thing. But uh, I was using that time to practice the memory verses and, and uh, pray and think a lot about the weekly meeting. And the fourth week, the memory verse, just to paraphrase it briefly, said something to the effect that uh, blessed is the man who, um, who delighteth who, who delights in and meditates on the word daily, and he will be like a tree planted by the river of water that uh, bears much fruit, does not wither, and will prosper. And, and 
it occurred to me at that time that I was starting to appreciate that in my own life. The time that I was that I spent um, reading my Bible and, and having those weekly discussions was having a very positive effect on the rest of my week, and it affected my um, interaction with other people, uh, the way that I felt, uh, and just just the way that my week went. So it, it um, really had a, a positive effect on on everything that I did. Lovely. Thank you all so much. That is such a help. Bless you all. So um, we are, um, you have to start at the beginning some point, which is where we are. And um, we have this dream and this vision that St. Paul's will become a community, a church, not with small groups, but a church of small groups. That's a big step and an important step, but we are so excited about it. And we are calling these small groups to give them some sort of identifying mark, life groups, and that will be a primary vehicle for us in the year ahead for growing adults as followers of Jesus. So life groups are small groups. They will be meeting mostly in homes on a regular basis at a time for each group to decide. Uh, they will be a group that are expectant that where two or three are gathered in Jesus' name or six or seven or eight or nine uh, to uh, have encounters with the risen Lord. Uh, they will be studying the Bible together and we'll be announcing our first topic. And uh, in this case, we're all launching with this exact same topic and trying some uh, new um, style of uh, getting the, uh, the teachings into your homes uh, by streaming it uh, from a new software application we will be using. And we are praying and expecting that each member of a life group will experience this year growth, transformation, community, love and care, as well as signs and wonders of God moving in the midst of them. We begin sign-ups this morning if you uh, want to get your name on a life group list, and not to pick a certain group, but simply to say, yes, I would really like to be a part of this. And the sign-up is on the table in St. Paul's Central to your right. And we are going to launch the whole season of life groups on September 8th, and we've written that up in the Sunday News this morning. We'll have a, 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 a parish-wide gathering here, a, a meal and some and worship, and uh, launch the teaching that night. And then launch the life groups in the week ahead. So um, you're invited to come along with us. Amen.